0: Welcome at How to Buy Design, the monthly meetup organized by Blue City Lab, where we search for answers on how to buy design with our international community of pioneers. We dive into our oceans, explore the organisms in the soil, look at human and non-human organisms from the Netherlands to Central Asia. Let's get started.
1: Welcome to all the pioneers that have joined us from all over the world. Uh, today the topic is how to break down fibres with enzymes. We are here in Blue City in Rotterdam for How to Biodesign number 28. Uh, This is the third year of How to Biodesign, and it is a platform for pioneers. My name is Natasha Holst, and this is my third time hosting How to Biodesign Meetup. Just quickly, something about myself. I've worked at the nexus between ecology and economy for the past 20 years mainly on food and fibre systems. I've recently worked for a number of years at the Biobimicry Institute, and at the moment, I'm Programme Director at the Schumacher Center for New Economics. And I'm your host today for this episode of How to Biodesign. Uh, my co-host today is Nick von Bieser. He has more than 30 years of experience with fungi and microorganisms and has a lot to say about enzymes. He is a biochemist and biotechnologist, and he is founder of BioAnalytics, von Beeson. In this How to Biodesign meetup, he will be looking at how breaking down fibres can be done with the help of enzymes. Nick will take up the role as co-host and share his expertise, his many years of expertise. We are also joined by two guests. Uh, One of them is Dasha Tchepenko, sorry if I didn't pronounce that right. Uh, she is a biodesigner who works with elements of art and fashion and material research. She investigates alternative production, processes, and redesigns daily routines around the body and the dress and its dress. She drives inspiration from symbiotic relationships in nature. Dasha collaborates with various non human species like fungi and edible plants. And these collaborations result in grown garments, tapestries and textile pieces. Welcome Dasha. We're also uh, joined by Fabiola. Fabiola Polly is from Bio Fashion Tech, and she's the CEO and founder of this innovative startup. Uh, it makes use of scalable biotech process to turn pre and post consumer textile waste into valuable products that can be used by biocomposites and chemistry. Biofashion Tech provides a unique scalable biotechnology process to upcycle pre and post consumer textile waste. Both of our guests will be talking about uh, their work in a minute. I will just quickly give an introduction to the topic and so I think we all know that the fashion industry produces over 100 million garments each year and saying that, you know, we only have 7.5 billion humans on the planet. Uh, That's a lot. So we have more than 50% of these garments are donated or discarded within one year. As we all know, the circular economy seeks to replicate nature's cycling. And one of its premises is that we can infinitely reuse our industrial materials and we can make that compatible with nature and also commercially viable. But I think that we've been running into quite a lot of problems with that recently. So we need to look at the way in which these man-made material loops are not, yeah, how do we make sure that they don't leak? Well, that's impossible, really. So what could the fashion industry do to, uh, to close this loop? And maybe it's something different than we've been thinking along. Uh, so it's maybe it's less about recycling and more about decomposition or breaking down. Without further ado, I think we'll move on to Fabiola, and maybe you can tell us a little bit more about yourself. Welcome.
2: Good evening, everyone. I am Fabiola Paoli, the CEO and founder of Biofashion Tech. I have a PhD in molecular microbiology and uh, postdoc experience in biochemistry. In the last 3 years, I have been working as an independent researcher using my expertise to develop biofashion tech innovation. As was uh, mentioned, 85% of the clothes we produce every year are incinerated or ends up in landfills. Only 15% is recycled. Current solutions are fibre-to-fibre technology that mechanically or chemically convert fibre into new fibre, recycled fibre, that can be used to make new clothes and products. This solution can process only monocompound fibre streams with medium-high-grade fibre quality using energy-intensive processes or chemicals. Nevertheless, our clothes are made of poly-cotton. Poly so, um, uh, nevertheless, our clothes are made of synthetic and natural fiber uh, garments. Uh, so synthetic fibers represents up to 60% of the material that we wear. And globally, more than 380 million tons of plastic are produced every year, and less than 10% have been recycled. Therefore, it is crucial to divert this plastic from waste stream and to create a new product out of them. So, BioFashion Tech provides a unique, scalable biotechnology process to upcycle pre- and post-consumer textile waste into commercially valuable products that can be used for a variety of biological processes, including the production of biofuel, like bioethanol. We are able also to recover polyester and dyes for using in other industries, such as fiber-reinforced concrete sector, creating a closed-loop solution. The technology Works on low quality color textile and on natural synthetic blend. Biofashion tech then creates new value chain and promotes environmental and social cross supply chain. And this is a great asset in the development of a sustainable society. And we want to scale up this technology to an industrial level. To be competitive in price and to bring this solution quickly into the market yeah this is uh, our goal and who we are
1: thanks fabiola I was just also thinking when you when you were talking about your goal and also I mean how how do you see this is it uh, is it something that is a uh, transition technology? Is this, um, it, will it also, will we always need this kind of technology or will it be something that we, at some point, uh, we won't need it because people won't use plastic anymore in clothing?
2: Thanks for uh, for the interesting question. Uh, we believe that we live in a society where we got used to smart clothes so that they have a good feeling, that they are stretchy, stretchy and uh, elastic. So I don't believe that we are not are going to use plus synthetic fibers anymore in our garments because we are too used to that. But what I do believe is that we have to rethink our way of recycling. So we have to think about trying to upcycle as many resources as we can. So we have to develop technology like ours that allow you to transform natural fibers in new products, in new commercially valuable products that can be used as a starting point for uh, other value chain. And at the same time, recovering what you have like Plastic, so avoiding the use of new virgin uh, material, and thus avoiding carbon emission.
1: And Nick, maybe maybe you want to jump in here and uh, see if you have a question for Fabiola. Fabiola, interesting, uh, uh,
3: well, technology of course, and uh, well, uh, knowing something more about it, of course. But but I was wondering, do you see yourself then in your technology as as a kind of an how I call it an, an 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 a fiber or or a textile butcher, more or less, that you're going to chop it down in, in, well, several parts which are, well, not totally degraded to CO2 and water in the end, but that that you can do something with it? Or or how do you see it uh, like that? Just an open question. Yes,
2: exactly. So looking at the world consumption of fossil fuel that is set, to double by 2060, uh, there is uh, an increasing demand of alternative biofuel. Mm -hmm. And usually, linocellulotic biomass is the uh, renewable source for production of biofuel. What we are trying to do is exactly chopping down those fibers into monomer compounds that can be used then for producing uh, by, uh, compounds, chemical uh, chemical compounds or biofuel. And this is because globally more than 98 uh, billion liters of bioethanol are produced each year. And around three tons of edible feedstock is needed for the production of one ton of ethanol. This means that there is a competition with the, with the feed, food feedstock. And considering that in the world we have more than 120 million people without enough food to eat, using crop for bi- bioethanol is controversial. Mm-hmm. So there is a huge demand for alternative edible feedstock and clothes can be used, so textile waste. Can be used as a raw material for creating new energy sources, and this yeah. is actually what we do.
3: But but you also heard, of course, in in, in the politics that in the Netherlands, well, uh, from two thousand thirty on, uh, well, everybody will uh, starts to drive in his car electric. Eh? That's uh, at least a uh, well a desire what they have. So the 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 burning uh, motor that's that's well, it's on his end of his life, I should say. Yeah? It's it's it's. Uh, 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 that the discussion of uh, well that uh, the, the Americans are uh, consuming all the corn from the Mexican people and they transform it into bioethanol, yeah, very interesting. But but uh, yeah, the, the ethical discussion about food or fuel that that's an, of course a no no brainer, and it's not allowed. So, but but okay, we have the intention that we will yeah, get rid of an. an a burning motor in the end, and okay, I don't see it happening because electrical cars are way more expensive or too expensive, etc. Or we have to do something about well, the public transportation that that has to be improved. But do you also think about uh, other other uh, except of biofuels? Do you also think about other uh, types of of uh, well molecules or or uh, compounds which you can make with your well? your textile waste, uh, I should say.
2: Yes, absolutely. And uh, first about the uh, electric car, (laughs) actually uh, without naming uh, any company, but uh, they are industries that actually are using bioethanol to get uh, uh, energy uh, Mm -hmm. for uh, electric cars. So actually, they are developing innovation on that uh, on that side.
3: Okay, so so that just similar like that, we are uh, we have electrical power plants, but we have to fuel them with uh, well uh, gas at the moment, which is coming from well whatever uh, Russia. But okay, we don't have it, so we have to invest in alternatives. In fact, but you can also do that with 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 your bioethanol.
2: Indeed, the second point is that uh, we can also use this the uh, chemical um, chemical molecule that we create to produce other chemicals like mm-hmm. uh, uh, hidroximethyl that is a very valuable compound used in many uh, food industries but we can also uh, create uh, other uh, molecules used in the pharma or in the um, uh, uh, drug industry, so actually the application
1: are, are uh, many maybe it would be good to uh to have a little introduction about enzymes Nick but uh do you think we should do that now or maybe just do it after dasher uh...
3: well it's, it's maybe it's, it's like an internet so it's it's relatively simple because it's always funny because we are not we are not talking about a number Twenty-eight, uh, the how to buy design, but in uh, how to buy design number fourteen, we were talking in fact about enzymes also, and 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 well, just to say it's simple is that every reaction in nature goes spontaneously only at a very 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 slow rate. Mm-hmm. So if you degrade glucose to CO two and water. Uh, If we eat, uh, or if you let glucose standing on the table, it will decompose anyway, but it takes a very long time. If you add uh, enzymes to it, then you speed up that reaction. And uh, it is not a living organism. We think that they are always living, but they are just proteins and proteins which, which perform and... A catalytic reaction, so they are what we also call in biochemistry biocatalysts, which are well making certain reactions happen. Uh, just relatively simple, and and also the the uh, for me the most interesting one is still uh, uh, urease, uh, the enzyme which degrades u- urea to uh, ammonia and CO two. And in fact, this enzyme is the whole cause of the nitrogen uh, crisis we have in our worldwide, especially here in Netherlands. But you can, you can calculate that, well, without the enzyme of urease, the reaction still happens. Ammonia is liberated, but it goes at a very slow rate. And if you add a little bit of an enzyme to it, then it will, well, speed up. I have here the number in my screen, 100 trillion times faster than it's going in the spontaneous way. So that is the fastest working enzyme we ever have on this planet. And that makes it a really funny one. And and also for degrading uh, uh, all kinds of fibers, etc. Uh, and also the combination of what, what Nienke was mentioned in the beginning, well, uh, we have uh, fungi, uh, how are those uh, doing the job? It's relatively simple. I called microorganisms just bag of enzymes. They do a trick, they do a job and they make certain reactions to get uh, to let them happen. And in this way, you can make your use of your microorganism that it is, well, doing a certain reaction or that it grows something, which are multiple reactions. And most of the time, now look at this time uh, of the year in the forest uh, we have autumn, lots of mushrooms are over there, and uh, well, under that are a lot of uh, mycelia growing, and they are decomposing, in fact, uh, all those uh, nice cellulolytic uh, fibers which are dropped down by nature, all the leaves. And, 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 well, degrade them to, uh, well, nutrients which they can consume and produce these nice mushrooms and other stuff on. So that's basically what we talk about, well, enzymes doing the job.
1: And are most of the, uh, Nick, thanks for that, Is, are most of the outputs uh, benign? I mean, we talked about, you just talked about ammonia, but uh, for example, with Fabiola's work, how do, does it is it also possible that there's some very toxic chemicals coming out of it?
2: Uh, while we break down uh, uh, textile waste, of course we uh, get dyes out of it that can be upcycled, uh, and this is what actually we uh, also do a biofashion tech. We try to recover as many uh, side product as possible, and um, um beside that we have the synthetic fibers so um, a mixture of them and also those synthetic fibers could be eventually you be used for a further degradation step by some unique enzymatic cocktails. But this is something that we are not focusing on, but as uh, Nick mentioned, enzyme can be uh, can can do that so, And there are researchers working on that.
1: Yeah, because sometimes you hear about plastic eating uh, bacteria that eat plastic. But I guess it really comes down to uh, enzymes that can break down plastic. Nick, um, does that exist? It's true, because it's
3: it's, it's relatively simple. Uh, You will not exist if you don't have enzymes. If your pancreas is failing, you will die. And that's the main source of generating enzymes. It starts already in your mouth. You eat bread. Uh, and there's a lot of starch in it, but we cannot digest starch. That needs to be degraded to glucose. And already the enzymes are coming from your saliva in your mouth and then already start to degrade uh, the starch and getting the nutrients out of it. And if we don't have enzymes, enzymes had just... Uh, okay, I'm a bio- or biochemist uh, originally. Uh, without enzymes there is no life that's too simple and 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 that's that's what hey, uh, we are a bunch of what i call hey, humans and mammals are the back of microorganisms and micro- microorganisms are the back of enzymes and also we generate our own enzymes also as a species so it, it's it's in fact if we don't have that nothing with hell will happen we will yeah we don't our plants we are nothing
1: we can't break down our food or no anything nothing. yeah well, thanks for that. And also, thanks for explaining that to everyone who isn't a biochemist. Dasha, could you maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself and your work?
4: Sure. Uh, yeah. Hello, everyone. It's really nice. Uh, yes, yeah, nice, nice to be here and uh, hear these amazing things from the professional uh, point of view and perspective. So, I have a background in uh, architecture and in social design, but for uh, the last three years, uh, I became really interested and busy in the sustainable and the bio-based uh, future of uh, fashion. And uh, while uh, understanding that it's really super crucially important to uh, recycle, upcycle, uh, and decompose uh, all the immense amount of uh, waste that we are handling from fashion industry, I decided for myself to uh, took uh, a bit a uh, parallel path and to uh, try uh, growing garments from uh, scratch uh, in collaboration with, uh, yeah, with other species, uh, with fungus, uh, with plants, sometimes with edible plants. And uh, by, by doing that, uh, first of all, learn hands-on how to do it by trials and errors, but also, first of all, uh, in an example of myself, but also by showing my process, try to change uh, our perceptions uh, with, with our garments, with our clothes, the way, not only the way we wear it, but also the way we take care of it. Um, by the fact of uh, growing it our, ourselves. Uh, so, yeah, here you can see some examples of my work, where uh, I, I was growing uh, fabrics and garments uh, out of plants that uh, required water. Uh, and I uh, used to uh, uh, wear these garments and make performances with other people, where we would uh, seek for rain for water that would help these uh, garments uh, grow. So, and, and that uh, the fact that we humans uh, wear garments like literally woke them for uh, getting water was already a change uh, of of a perception. Um, and then uh uh it, it, the a crucial moment in my, my practice became a collaboration uh with uh han western which is a microbiologist and uh, uh the fact that he tried to uh combine uh the growth of uh plants uh edible plants crops uh with uh with mycelium uh and in a way see how um uh, they can uh, support support each other using cycles of nature. And then, also in the case of our project, uh, uh, laws of uh, agriculture and such uh, processes as nitrogen fixation, mycorrhiza, where uh, roots of uh, mycelia uh, go in collaboration and symbiotic relationship with plant roots and provide them uh, nutrition. Uh, and in that way, uh, it became my big fascination. How can we create garments using uh, all these processes that uh, happen in uh, in nature? Uh, and uh, that's what I'm busy now. That's what we're busy with together with uh, Han. Uh, but also on the side, uh, I'm uh, uh, developing uh, textiles and making different uh, experiments purely with uh, cellulose uh, with uh, leftover hemp fibers with uh, short fibers which are left uh, from uh, uh from uh hemp hemp has a long fiber which actually goes in proper textile production but then the uh, short fibers which cannot be used uh, in textile production they are mainly used in agriculture so i use this type of hemp and then uses use it as a substrate for different strains of mycelium to uh create uh, fabrics which i use for also for creating garments uh art pieces uh interior pieces um uh, and uh, my other interest is uh, not only the creation of uh garments and the way uh them, but also to think of uh, various infrastructures uh of future imagining if uh if we uh grow garments how uh, how would our homes uh, look like? I think it's more or less a patchwork of, uh, of of what I do.
1: Wow. Thanks for that. I wish that uh, the people in the podcast could see those images. They're really impressive. Um, so I just heard that you were part of the Dutch Design Week. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about your exposition there. Minka um, was there and she told me about it just now.
4: Yeah, well, Dutch Design Week was, uh, well, it was not uh, my main type of activity and it was also connected uh, to Ukraine because I'm uh, from, uh, from Ukraine uh, and uh, it, it was called, called homeland where we have land in, uh, in brackets. And uh, to tell in short, it was basically how we perceive uh, uh, home, notion of home, Uh, From different from different perspectives, but mainly through the perspective of land and through uh, the lens of uh, of natural materials. So uh, we took some aspects both from Ukraine and from the Netherlands and uh, uh, some uh, some knowledge that we took was really ancient rooted uh, back back in tradition. And then we tried to combine it with something really scientific from either the Netherlands or from Ukraine and make some put it together and uh, and see what 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 comes out
1: and what came out could you describe it
4: oh uh, well, no we we uh, we took uh, in a way there were two 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 narratives two storylines one was about uh, again talking about home uh, one uh, was a topic of protection and to illustrate what protection is we took a uh, archetypical uh, ukrainian shepherd code uh which which uh, yeah, which was basically a waterproof thing for uh, when shepherds went uh, into the mountains. Uh, but then we took it as a, a case study and through uh, 12 pieces, we came up to the shepherd coat, which was uh, made using the same pattern, but which was grown out of mycelium. So we actually showed how how you can take something uh, something very natural, traditional, and then end up with something that, uh, that we grow. And in fact, the inspiration was that this uh, ancient Ukrainian jacket looks exactly like a lion's mane mushroom, which has this uh, hanging fringes. So (laughs) through the, through 12 uh, gunyas, that's the name of the shepherd shepherd coat, uh, we we told how we can actually get there and how instead of weaving out of wool, we can later on maybe grow them out of lion's mane. Let's
1: (laughs) Is this somewhere where we can see, um, where we can still see this?
4: Well, now Dutch design week is uh, over, but hopefully we're talking with mediamatics. So there might be a chance that uh, we would see it in Amsterdam soon.
1: (laughs) How did you start working with these types of organisms? And what is the type of, what is the, the difficulty actually that you encounter? What are the barriers to this?
4: Oh, well, wow. with my serum, I guess I'm not the only one who says it. It's basically there the conditions in, in which it needs to grow, right? Because uh, it, it, it's one thing to make uh, tiny samples and experiments in the sterile conditions of the lab. But then if you're talking about actually growing them out of the lab, uh, big scale as, uh, as big pieces, then, then immediately it, it, it becomes uh, complicated uh so that's only if you take mycelium but then uh the most exciting part is actually right to uh to grow them together and see how different species such as fungus and plants how can they support each other how can they benefit each other and then uh it's really hard to find uh, uh conditions to make that happen because even with mycelium you can't grow Different strains at the same time because they get in competition and then no one survives, so that's a tricky part, but then also an exciting one
1: <laughs> and do you see also some kind of commercial pr- application for it, maybe for, for 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 yeah large scale brands or
4: definitely like long term I do and then it's actually amazing to see how mycelium products are already getting into the market, like even the uh, last, the, the Balenciaga is actually launching the, the jacket, which is made out of mycelium. And then it's really like on the market. Uh, but for me, my approach now, I understand that it's a, a, a really long journey. So, so far, I treat it as a, as art. And then I, um, I'm, I do prototypes, but, uh, meanwhile, I also explore all the, all the infrastructure around and then think how, Think that, okay, how if if, if in future we we manage to do that and it works, uh, what does it bring along?
1: And why do you think it's important?
4: Well, because in fact, uh, yeah, we need also to think how to not produce waste, right? We produce it, but then we recycle it, but then it's like a vicious circle. And of course, we need to think uh, how to solve what we've already done, but also we need to, yeah, I guess slightly change the way we. We do things, so these two things they need to grow in parallel both are are very important, and uh, yeah both things need need attention
1: yeah, I see as as yeah it's it's the same really with um a lot of things in environmental that we need to do. We need to clean up the mess that we made, but we also need to look for the new uh, Nick, do you have a question
3: yeah, I was uh, well triggered by your hemp. Mycelium uh, plant coats, just a practical (laughs) question, uh, but I know, of course, a little bit the answer you're a designer. Uh, And and, and, well, being in Blue City for a couple of years, uh, I know that designers think sometimes differently than than scientists. Uh, How do you think about, well, just practical uh, cleaning those coats or whatever? Are they just, well, can I push them in my washing machine and... Wash them or just well let it a self cleaning system because I give them water they will degrade all the dirt etc and it will grow further etc. <laughs> uh, have you have you thought about those things?
4: No, that's a, that's a good question indeed. And actually that's why you know that's why I do jackets and I don't make t-shirts. <laughs>
1: <'Cause>
4: <laughs> if it would be a t-shirt then uh, you would put me in a trap. I would like no, but a jacket you know like even a a woolen jacket you actually don't wash it. I have like a woolen pullover which I have for five years and i've never washed it just because it's uh it's very sick in winter it's cold uh yeah so in case of uh like a, an outer wear a jacket uh yeah it, uh, i think it's also nice uh that it, it ages you don't really need to to clean it so i think yeah. the, the main uh, goal is to actually make it durable and also with, with mycelium not uh Uh, Well, in a way, strong, you know. So it's flexible, and it's also a tricky part to make it flexible. And for the rest, I think it's also a nice way to trigger garments. One way is to make them super durable, that would last for uh, a long time. But the other approach is to uh, make it uh, short term. But then, if it's biodegradable, and if uh, there there is a good way to to grow them quickly, uh, yeah, then uh, then why not? Then we can just uh, uh, use it. Uh compost it and then grow uh, a garment again from there it.
3: And another thing is that well, you use the short uh, hemp fibers, which are well used in agricultural or uh, which are used in uh, well, I put them in my uh, rabbit cage or whatever. Right? The, those are the, the 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 well the less interesting ones because the longer fibers they are uh, used anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is is that then also due to your mycelium plant interaction getting softer or or well? degraded in such a way that because i can imagine if if i made a coat or a jacket out of my <laughs> rab, rabbit uh, uh, stuff uh, well i think i'm i will not be so happy i think well it's a quite stiff rigid coat but but is this becoming more flexible or 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 can you say something about that
4: no, well, they, they disappear, right? Because the mycelium consumes the short fiber. So it's actually the control. When, when do you actually want to stop? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so in my case now, I would say it's like 50-50. It's 50% of uh, cellulose of this hemp short fibers that are left and then 50% of of mycelium that uh, yeah. that takes over because it's it's also a balance if you if you leave more mycelium then it uh, it becomes more like a, a shell and then it becomes really rigid brittle That's yeah. it, brittle brittle yes exactly
3: uh, but you also have to add then softeners to it probably to to make it a more well well uh,
4: before I used to do that now 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 I stopped using it actually now it's uh, it's not needed somehow. Uh, there is a good strain that I work with now. Uh, okay. And of course, you,
3: you, you're you not going to share that name of that strain. Uh, well, you, I, don't I don't, to, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. I'm not forcing you. <laughs> <laughs> because that's also... I, I, I also work on, on several projects, and then the first thing what people ask is, which strains are you using with? Of course. I said, well, "Come on! If I'm a multinational, you don't dare to ask it. But now <laughs> I'm, a, I'm just an entrepreneur. You will ask it to me. Why?" I say, <laughs> "Don't be so silly." No, it's fun uh, to to hear uh, the, the 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 flexibility or the the use of mycelium enzymes combinations. Huh? Because in the way, uh, well. It is it is an enzyme factory, uh, well generated by by those fungi, and then together with the plants uh, combination. And I like the combination of the the lion's mane that you can kind of uh, well a wooly coat out of it. That should be very interesting uh, uh, if if you can can reach that uh, sort of coating. Uh, well, yeah, and still,
4: and still keep it flexible. <coughs> and so still keep it flexible, yeah, because that's the, a, that's, a, yeah, that's because, a challenge.
3: Because yeah. you need to dry it anyway. It's not a wet True. piece True. of uh, uh, no. well mycelium which where the mushrooms are growing on my back or whatever. It could be interesting, but that is uh, still a flexible yeah. Uh, exactly. stuff. Yeah, yeah, the
4: flexibility is tricky, but also an exciting challenge, of course.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe another question, and I don't know, uh, this is maybe a little bit out of the topic from uh, where mm-hmm. we're talking about tonight, but uh, of course, uh, in all your work, what you're doing, you you are touching the nice patents of Ecovative or of Bolt Rats or all those American giants who have already consumed it or patented it. Uh, you're working with Han Wooster. He's also definitely complaining about those uh those people, etc. How, how do you think, on the short term, that we can, well, beat those Americans?
4: Oh, super hard question. That's something I'm, I'm dealing myself with. And there is no, I don't know, I think the approach is because we have European mobile, right? And I yeah. guess uh, we should just, yeah, stand off on the shoulders of the giants. I think it doesn't actually make sense to recreate what people created so i say okay if you want to beat americans we should just cooperate with uh, with europeans probably uh, yeah, yeah
3: yeah it's it's an always a nice argument of uh, standing on the shoulders of giants but 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 uh,
4: uh i know
3: i know that a small a lot of small entrepreneurs there are not frightened but at least they are well looking to the whole situation of what is going on in this well, matter of making, uh, well, fabrics, uh, uh, fungal leather or, or, or well, uh, biocomposites with mycelium, etc. how you call it. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. They did a good job. We did a stupid job probably here in the Europe. I don't know, uh, but this, it's, 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 a, it's a total different uh, discussion also. But I was just wondering how you think about it, because I know also that Mogu also has a license on it, because otherwise they cannot do anything.
4: Right, right, right. And well yeah. honestly I'm uh, I'm confused myself and it's a very uh yeah very on the point question. Uh and I also <laughs> talked with Link about it. So
1: is that something you run into, Dasha? Is that something that really uh, limits you in, in your work?
4: Uh well for now I work uh, with with strains uh, which are from uh from, from, from Utrecht University, uh but then uh, uh, I use them in 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 small scales, and then uh, honestly, before I was uh, I was not 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 sinking into into this ways. I was not needing it, but now I reach the point where I can actually make big uh, big pieces. Uh, and this is also a question for myself: Okay, which which path do I take now, and what uh, what 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 to do with it?
1: And uh, Nick, is that also something that? You also is that also a problem with the decomposition or breaking down fibers? Patents or IP?
3: Could be, but but yeah, what they have claimed more or less is that if you grow a natural fiber in combination with a fungus, it's in a patent. And it is an, it's an honored patent, in fact. And in the meantime, Ecovative is that big that they have, I think, maybe an, an, an army of a, a couple of, uh, well, tens or 20 lawyers will who will fight uh, against you, etc. So we cannot beat them anymore because that costs you a lot of money. But nevertheless, if you do it for food, mm-hmm. you're free. Yeah? So if you're making a an biocomposite and mushrooms are coming out of it, then you're making food. So well, I even if
4: even if it's a garment. So <coughs> if, if you say, for instance, if my garment would have uh, mushrooms, and I would yep. say, actually, we eat from our yep. garments. Yep.
3: Then yep. 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 that was the trick, which I also showed just a couple of how to bio designs ago. Uh, just make mm-hmm. a lampshade, and well, uh, there is. Uh, in fact, you are making on a silly way mushrooms. But yeah, your crop failed. So. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, now I'm a little light going through it, but okay, that's, of course.
1: I think just to go back to the topic about uh, breaking down fibers with enzymes uh, and also just to move on to you know, how do we move forward with these types of new technologies? Uh, maybe Fabiola, do you want to join? Uh, we're going to have a discussion with the four of us now. Um, do you want to maybe chip in, Fabiola? on this idea of how do we move forward with the enzymes i mean i know you're working on it but looking from a from a broader perspective do you see that there's a lot of potential for this in in the future and if you look around what are, what are like your favorite projects that are already happening at the moment
2: well i i believe that uh, biotechnology is going to be the future so using the power of microorganisms and enzyme is gonna be a key to a sustainable society because we need to uh, try to use less resources in terms of fossil fuel, in terms of uh, soil that we consume, water and so on and so on. And uh, nature is the yeah nature is the best uh, in the uh, at this because if we look at the smart concept from nature, like for example bee turning nectar into valuable product like honey those things are already happening so and we have to be inspired by them and this is actually what we did with our technology we look uh, a concept from nature and we try to develop something like a technology that no matter the type of cellulotic waste feedstock, we will be able to create something valuable without harming the environment and without creating any extra waste. So the future is gonna be biotechnology.
1: Yeah. Uh, what what organism uh, inspired you? What, what or what process in in the work you're doing?
2: um Well, I would say in general I, I have a, I have done my PhD using different type of microorganisms and all of them are just fantastic because each of them has beautiful properties and now there are many researchers using different type of them to producing dyes so uh, alternative dyes that they don't harm the environment or they are producing uh, uh, other um additives for the food industries and so so i would say there is not a single one all of them they they are very much powerful
1: so it's it's really the way in which they can also collaborate and work together and yeah and uh yeah I, I, of course nature already can do everything without with a minimum of energy with without uh toxic waste without uh uh, so, yeah, like you said, there's so much that we can learn from them also about... That's probably what, what we're running into now. And if because of the lack of, of learning from nature. Um, so, yeah, on the one hand, we were talking about new materials, and we we're also talking about breaking down the the massive piles of waste, textile waste that is around at the moment. Um, with the technology that you use, is it? Do you use? Is there a lot of energy involved? Is there a lot of uh, um, inputs necessary aside from the um, aside from the textiles that you need to break down? Or is it? Uh, is it I mean, is it a costly thing? Is it cost-effective? Could you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Absolutely, uh, yeah. The beautiful thing about biotechnology is that uh, is uh, is a, a very sustainable process because they don't require too much energy, they don't require too much water, and uh, uh, in our case, we don't create any uh, toxic waste beside dyes that uh, some people, uh, yeah. Um, define them uh, toxic but they are actually n- not because you are wearing them so if they would be toxic they would harm your body and so on so <laughs> actually it's not like that so this is also there is a lot of also lack of knowledge of what is really happening with things inside clothes and so on nevertheless for in our case uh, no yeah, there are not uh, uh, any uh, uh, toxic compounds coming out from the the process and is also uh, reducing uh, carbon emission. Because if you think about the, the process itself, that uh, is, uh, has a very low impact, but also the product that it, it generates, it actually helps to save a lot of CO2 And we estimated if we count the CO2 that we are uh, saving uh, related to the plastic fiber that we are avoiding to be incinerated plus the um, um, uh, alternative biofuel that we can provide, uh, that we can create from textile waste, we estimate that we can reach 32 million of uh, CO2 saved in a year. So uh, actually, uh, I would say that uh, those processes are very, very um, sustainable and eco-friendly.
1: Yeah, so you avoid a lot of emissions that would otherwise happen. Yeah. Nick? Nick? Natasha. Do you have another question <laughs> <laughs> around how do we move forward? Because that's the part that we're in. Well,
3: we, we, yeah. we're we gl- sliding forward, etc. But I was wondering, Fabiola, uh, could you also think about that you could use your technology to uh, well, produce food in the end from textile, for instance, eh? because we are eh, just in a total different area, eh? uh, transforming waste uh, uh, into food, well, that is almost like what I called swearing in the church. Uh, that's not allowed, <laughs> but 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 nevertheless, could you could you uh, imagine that you can make in the end from your uh, uh, because uh, now nowadays we are we are also in, an, in a protein transition uh, and we have cultivated uh, animal cells, uh, laboratory-grown meat. Sounds awful, but. Uh, well, even vegans can eat it, I, I can sometimes say, but okay, that's not really uh, the case. Um, uh, there are microproteins generated, for instance. Could you also think about that you could use these, well, kind of, uh, well, outcome of your process in these kind of processes, or is that just, an, uh, well, an edifix or just an, uh, a, a slip of my mind?
2: Thank you, Nick, for uh, this interesting question. Actually. Yes, it's possible because uh, we are really breaking down fibres into uh, uh, compounds that they are, um, um, let's say, let's call them building block for the construction of more complex products. Mm -hmm. And uh, those products can range uh, across different industries. I mentioned the energy industry because it's something that is very close to us in yeah. this situation. So we really need it. But indeed, they, those uh, uh, those molecules that could be used in the food industry, but even to create perfumes. So can you imagine how will be <laughs> how beautiful will be having your shirt, no,
3: sweat, a- sweaty t-shirt changing into a <laughs> parfum.
2: Indeed, at indeed. least exactly how beautiful is that or from your shirt to your energy drive uh, of your car you know how beautiful is that so i believe what we need is just rethinking the way of how we think and look at things so Mm -hmm. really we need to uh, observe nature and learn from it because the possibilities are just infinite
3: uh, it's also what was mentioned in the previous session uh, I attended uh, that and there was uh, Ari Homeyer and in fact, well he mentioned that it was a very nice uh, uh, quote he did. in fact uh, before we are uh, or we're drilling up uh, that oil out of the, 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 the soil, uh, we were doing in fact all circular economy or we were using stuff from nature. Natasha Natasha was saying, well, we are learning from nature. No, no, no. We have forgotten a lot of things from nature, and now we're not reinventing it. But I just say simply, well, check out old uh, literature from 1930 or whatever, and you see that all those things were done in such a way, but yeah, then suddenly that black stuff was coming out of the ground, etc., and then we are becoming independent. Not independent, but awfully dependent on it, and yeah, now we think that we cannot live without it. But we should and we need to live without it. It's only a question of a matter of time. So yeah, it should be very interesting if you also can change your, well, your your nice cellulolytic fibres of your 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 genes, uh, yeah, to change them in a in, in a vegan uh, uh, well piece of protein which you can eat and don't form it in a hamburger because that's also what you see nowadays that that all the well uh, meat replaces they should look like at least uh, the real meat and yeah uh, a tofu or a tempeh they look like nothing and in fact they are very tasty but uh, uh, don't don't form it into a chicken piece because it is not chicken it is tofu etc and that's also what we have to learn that we have to well, probably learn those new tastes uh, anyway. But it's, it's very interesting to hear that you can also make it on your technology, that you can you know, change waste into, well, these kind of valuable molecules uh, or food in the end. Because, yeah, it's nice that we can heat up our houses uh, or, or, well, electrify our cars. But if we haven't nothing to eat, that is also very, really very sad.
4: It's actually, I don't know. I started to think then we have the circle because we as humans, we also need enzymes, right? To digest food. <coughs> uh, and then also, especially this plant-based food, it requires special enzymes. So not, yeah. not er, every fiber, uh, is, uh, is digested. And I just remember myself. I remember this advertisements where they uh, advertise special enzymes that help you. Uh, digest this food as beans, for example. So we have a circle, yeah. uh, we eat stuff and then we need uh, new types of enzymes to help us humans uh, <laughs> digest
3: yeah. it uh, if if you have uh, if you eat raw raw soybeans, you have problems. Yeah, uh, exactly. you get you you, you becoming flatulants, etc and 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 uh, so so that that, that fungus uh, which is in there that helps you to digest you you transport also the digestion part out of your human body, yeah, so that there's a longer time to get you all the nutrients uh, in your body anyway. And it is also, well, uh, get rid of all kinds of molecules which you cannot digest with your own enzymes. So right. that makes it much, much nicer. And yeah, grass is a nice uh, example of it. We can do nothing with it, but if yeah, it's milk, milk, it's okay.
1: Well, in a minute, we're going to open up the floor for all of the people who are joining us, um, but just quickly to conclude and to thank everyone, uh, to thank Dasha Nick and Fabiola for being here, um, I just wanted to have a few concluding remarks, and that was that, as I said in the beginning, with the circular economy, we're trying to replicate nature's cycling, but... What would the fashion industry or a textile industry or any industry, really, for that matter, look, function? How would it function if it really functioned like an ecosystem? As Nick said, we've forgotten a lot about what we knew about nature and how nature worked. And we haven't really had an oil industry or we haven't used, um, uh, yeah, synthetics for a very long time uh, my grandmother told me about the first time when she had a synthetic dress in the 1950s how wonderful it was uh, so really we haven't had uh, we haven't really been on this road for a very long time but we've had an amazing amount of cheap material cheap energy and cheap uh, fibres uh, to, to experiment with so we've made massive amounts of of R and D and 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 investment, but now we've started to realize that we need to realign ourselves with what occurs in nature, because what the road we're on is actually a dead end. So I think that the two speakers that we had today show show us very much a road forward, and how we can and we can break down the fibers that we have, but also how we can look at next generation textile production, and we can also recognize how this connects to the biosphere. I think that with the natural systems that we have now, I think the first thing we need to do is to learn how we can design for decomposition, but also uh, knowing that everything, all of the materials we have, they disperse into nature and they end up in soil and they end up in, in the ocean. Uh, so we really need to look at a way in which we can really change this. But seeing as that still at the moment, uh, cost and um, cheap, yeah, the cost of materials is still very much leading in, in, in the industry. Um, we will definitely need uh, ways of breaking down these massive amounts of textiles and also turn them into feedstocks for other things. So with, um, yeah, so jump-starting this transition to biocompatible fibres, we can do that right now. And at the same time, so I've, uh, I think the positive message that I'm trying to say is that it only took a very short period of time to like 50 years, uh, well, maybe 70 if you look at it that way, but... In the past 50 years so much has changed around the way we use fibers and and the way we produce and and the materials we use um, but i think that we can also redesign everything in a quite a short period of time as well and it's already started so thank you very much everybody
0: thanks for listening Would you like to attend one of our online meetups? Go to bluecity.nl slash design If you're looking for more bio tips and tricks, join the community on biofabforum.org. How to Buy Design was realized with funding from Creative Industries Fund, NL, and edited by Puree Productions. Special thanks to our network partners, Rotterdam University of Applied Science, Willem de Kooning Academy, and to our international network partners, glimps.bio from Belgium, the US based Biodesign Challenge team. Hope to meet you in our next episode.